Hi, welcome to Vote Blue for Biden podcast. I'm Harmony Ramsden, the founder and one of the hosts today. I'm Paul Winfield, um, head of Black High School Students for Biden. I'm Kaden. I'm um, one of the co-chairs for High School Women for Biden. Hi, I'm Owen Bland, and I'm also here. So today we're going to be talking about, we had a podcast last week about women and minorities, and we felt like the topic was too big to discuss on just one podcast. So we're going to be continuing that idea today. So firstly, one of the most important things to address is what happened to George Floyd. And we've seen in the past few days, there's been a rise of people talking about it on social media, a rise of people signing petitions in the past few days has been really crazy. So first we're going to play this video about Joe Biden reacting and talking about his reaction to George Floyd's death. And then we can react to that and just talk about the recent events and what we should be doing. You know, uh, I just had an opportunity to speak with uh, the Floyd family and a group of them, most of them. They're close, decent, honorable family, loving one another. And once again, we had the words, heard the words, and they heard them. I can't breathe. An act of brutality so elemental, it did more than deny one more black man in America his civil rights and his human rights. It denied him of his very humanity. It denied him of his life. Depriving George Floyd is, uh, as, as it deprived Eric Garner, one of the things every human being must be able to do, breathe. So simple, so basic, so brutal. You know, uh, uh, with the same thing happened with Aubrey, the same thing happened with Breonna Taylor, the same thing with George Floyd. You know, we've spoken their names aloud. We cried them out in pain and in horror. We chiseled them into a long, suffering hearts. The latest additions to the endless list of stolen potential wiped out unnecessarily. You know, it's a list that dates back more than 400 years. Black men, black women, black children. The original sin of this country still stains our nation today. And sometimes we manage to overlook it. We just push forward with a thousand other tasks in our daily life. But it's always there. In weeks like this, we see it plainly that we're a country with an open wound. None of us can turn away. None of us can be silent. None of us can any longer can we hear the words, I can't breathe and do nothing. Okay, so that was something that Joe Biden released two days ago. So what do you guys think about that and the Floyd case in general? Uh, Can I just start off by saying that... uh, what happened to George Floyd was a tragedy. Uh, it, it was a modern-day lynching. Uh, I, Joe Biden said it, uh, I think he said it best, that that is the original sin of a nation of, four, of 400 years. So I, I think that that's always something to keep in mind. And, and um, today, or for the past week or so, there have been protests in, in several cities across the country. And a lot of them have been peaceful, uh, I would say that. But others have been violent. And uh, I think I'll go after uh, what Joe Biden said. And 
he understands the anger, but not the violence. And that's what several uh, leaders and the family has said, and what Joe Biden said, that he understands the anger and the uh, angst the, the rioters have, but they don't, but it's also good to channel that injury and that in, energy and that anger into a peaceful protest and not to riot or not to have violence. And I, I think that everyone uh, who's listening should look over Joe Biden's lift every voice plan and his police brutality policies. They're, they're really insightful. So Yeah, I mean, I would agree. This is crazy. I mean, it's insane to see that this is happening in 2020. You know, it's almost 200 years after slavery was outlawed, and we're still seeing the same type of things. And, I mean, it's just crazy. Like, I have no words to describe how awful I feel about the situation and how angry I am that the police are able to have such a power over minorities. Yes, and um, I and I think that uh, it's it's very sad. It's very sad for anyone who's watched the entire video, and uh, it is it really is a tragedy. It really is. Uh, and I think Joe Biden has an amazing plan to you know help combat that. Yeah, indeed. And I know I have a couple of family members I've talked to who are members of police force. And I remember they often telling me how they felt personally betrayed by these officers in Minneapolis as police officers. They are they swear an oath upon taking up duties, which many of them feel deeply betrayed by this. And I'm not sure. I haven't been following, but in our town recently, we've been trying to get a police force as simply the only legal officer in the town would be the mayor on top of all his other duties. So, you know, it's it's about time after literally 300 years, we might have an actual police force considering. And it's often been discussed what needs to be set up in a police force. And I believe that it really is interesting to see how are we going to adjust policing in the United States and what sort of really what big issue is internal review of police forces as many people were angry this man was officer was not arrested immediately afterwards this incident and while I understand investigation is required into any event I do believe that I believe Joe Biden has possibly his plan but much more outside review of the internal workings of police departments is much more necessary in the United States and will hopefully come to the forefront in recent time. Yeah, I, I build off that. I think that in no city or country or state where we should have police officers who have over 15 demerits and several instances similar to this, not similar, but you know, a, a very intense, violent confrontations. And I think it's very wrong. The, the person, the murderer, the former police officer who killed George Floyd had, I want to say, 19 demerits. Like that, someone like that should not be on the police force. Yeah. 
uh, the the man who was sitting was standing there watching uh, watching George Floyd pass. He had several demerits. So these people who have a have a history should should automatically be under a microscope or be fired. I, I think that that's so serious. And that's a part of the reform we need to have in our criminal justice system and in our policing system, where people should feel safe around the police. People should feel calmed by the police, not afraid or not tense. Yeah, I mean, we've seen in recent years. And I mean, one thing that's interesting to compare is policing systems in Europe, just Western Europe as an example, and America. So like in England, most police are only allowed to use a taser. They don't have the power of guns. And then they also have body cameras, which have been largely implemented in America in the past few years. But I mean, there's still a lot that happens that isn't caught on them. And I think it's just really important that we have large-scale reform, like, Paul, how you were saying. Police should be something that makes someone feel safe. It should not be something that makes someone feel afraid. And the police in the United States of America fundamentally have not undergone enormous transformations since their earliest inception, which would be in late 1700s Boston, serving as a method to put down riots like, I believe they were vaguely involved in the Whiskey Rebellion, and also like controlling smuggling, often very dealing with violent criminals. And yet, as their use was broadened into other aspects of life in other cities and increasingly more rural communities, there's not been really a fundamental change in how the system worked which I believe is something that needs to, you know, maybe 300 years after the fact, it might be a good time to review really how we're doing things and about time to make some changes. Yeah, I mean, regarding history, so like you were saying, so it started in the North. I was looking it up a few days ago because I was curious. And so it started in the North in Boston to stop riots. And then as it moved South, people said, hmm, stopping riots? Well, maybe that could stop slave riots. So they began to use police as a way to monitor slaves and persecute free Blacks to make sure that they were kept at a level below white people. And that still happens today. We see African-American people are disproportionately attacked by police and that's part of the large-scale reform and then also i was going to mention so i've seen recently on social media there have been a lot of people sharing stories and there's also been a lot of things about people only sharing on stories and not taking direct action so what do you guys think about that um well, I, I kind of wanted to say something on your last point where, like, the police were used to uh, oppress slaves and newly freed slaves, especially during Reconstruction, after Reconstruction, I mean. And I think that that's, that also adds to the point where the police, the police system we have in America is institutionally racist. Mm-hmm. It's institutionally, it's built into the system. So... It's almost to a point where we need drastic reform in our justice system and our police system. And I think that we need to do something more like a Western European style. Like, I don't know who who was saying that, 
but that that would be really good. Where literally, I, I want to say in some some Western European countries, it's only like the SWAT that has uh, actual guns, and everyone else has tasers. Mm-hmm. Indeed, and with you saying police force is can't be racist, it's actually been really been a good barometer of how much integration a certain group has in the United States. To use um, New York as sort of a case study, case file on this, um, when the Dutch first settled New York, afterwards, when the English came in, it was only really once the English started being ingrained in the police force was it that they were truly equals with the Dutch. And the same thing, it took the Irish nearly 60 years until there started to be the first Irish police chiefs was really how the Irish became ingrained as seen as equals to the Dutch and English. Same thing with the Germans, with the Italians, with the Chinese moving through New York. It's really when they started getting the police force was one of the things that started happening around the time they really became properly ingrained with the established society. Yes, and also I think something very interesting, a real interesting statistic that I saw earlier this week, 92% of the police force in Minneapolis lives outside of Minneapolis. I think that was a very shocking statistic, meaning that the majority of the police, the vast majority of the police force does not understand the issues of the people inside Minnesota. I mean, Minneapolis, they don't understand their issues. They don't understand what's going on. They don't understand their community. And I think Joe Biden has really been a leader in community bills and, and, and bills and such like community policing, which is really good where the community helps pitch in. And that's something that is completely lacking in a lot of police forces where the vet, you see that crime and crime and such and cases like George Floyd are less likely in places where the majority of the police force lives in the city. Going back to Harmony and your mention of stories on Instagram with people posting, I think that, I don't know how to phrase it, because <laughs> um, I know for me, there's riots going on. I live near a big city, so there's riots going on today, and luckily all of them have been very peaceful. We haven't really had any trouble with anything, but I think like young teens and stuff who don't want to participate in riots or protest or don't really have the money or to actually donate i think that posting to stories is a good way to still get the word out and still help to get everything out there with what you can do indeed and with direct protesting i mean we are still in a pandemic pandemic, which yeah that that might be a large deterrent to many people to go out actually i'm interested in watching there was a rally scheduled today in Connecticut outside the Capitol building, and yet the state is still highly asking that people, no larger groups than five, and they're expecting a few thousand people there. So it'll be interesting to see what will happen there. And can I just say this on the protest? I, 
I think it's very, what's the word? It's very interesting how the president calls the the people protesting in Michigan who stormed the Capitol building with long guns, spitting police officers' faces uh, because they wore masks. It's very interesting how our president calls them good people, but calls the protesters protesting the death of an unarmed black man uh, uh, thugs and thugs and criminals. He, it's very, very interesting. He says that he's going to combat protesters with dogs and ominous weapons. And he never said that when when the capital of Michigan was being was being raided with with people with long guns and rifles. So I, I think it's very that's a very interesting contrast. Even when talking about what's going on now, our president sits there and and goes on Twitter and says he wants to restore law and order. What's the quote he said? He said that um, Trump Trump tweeted out that when the looting starts, the shooting starts. A sixties a, a, a 60s mantra from a a racist police chief in Miami during a riot in the, like, 1967 or eight. So I think that that's a very interesting, I mean, the fact that he would even say when the looting starts, the shooting starts is just very disgusting. Uh, and I don't think he completely understands. I, he says he didn't understand what it meant and where it came from, but when uh, something's called, when the looting starts, the shooting starts, in the middle of riots and protests in Minneapolis, is he inciting, he's inciting violence. He's fanning the flames of supremacy. Yeah, and And, you had mentioned how this is parallel to the 60s, and it to me, I've been drawing a lot of comparisons between this week and the week Martin Luther King Jr. died as being very similar, though, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't believe the riots actually after Martin Luther died actually did last this long, mostly actually due to many people, I'm not sure, I know Bobby Kennedy in Indianapolis, I remember, had very moving words basically pointing towards Dr. King's legacy and how peaceful protests should not turn violent. And honestly, just listen to Bobby Kennedy's speech. I'd highly recommend it. I feel like the message is still applicable in these times, but this is very similar to that time in that many people have died. Some, Well, it's not Martin Luther King Jr. has died. It seems that, I'm not sure, people are rallying around these figures as symbols, as much as our... Luther King Jr. was a symbol of civil rights movement, which I feel like we're seeing an alternative timeline. Getting for this phrase that I'm not sure. What if there weren't cooler minds to prevail and to say, no, we need to show peaceful riding can that we cannot be incited into violence? And what if it took that other darker turn? I'm not sure. I just always found the comparisons there very stark. Yes, and uh, I, I mean, I can see how you can compare it to the 60s. I mean, I've, I've listened to excerpts of the speech, 
with Bobby Kennedy. And, you know, that's, of course, that's before the days where everyone gets the news about on their phone. Uh, and he literally had to announce the death of such a such an important figure in front of a huge rally. So I think that's, I, I think that's a very different, a very different, a big difference. Um, but I, to your point where we're treating these people like figures, I think that a lot of people are very tired of hearing names like Trayvon Martin and names like uh, George Floyd in the news and remembering them as hashtags or as protests. I think that hopefully one day we will get to a point where we won't hear names like this, where this won't be a, a weekly or monthly occurrence. Yeah. So um, the last thing on that, I was just going to say, so uh, regarding the direct versus indirect action, so some things that you can do that are pretty simple is just signing the petitions. So texting Floyd to 55156 and texting Justice to 668366. Those are two petitions that you can sign to help um, make sure that these policemen get the punishment they deserve for this. And then also, other than that, you can do street art about it or digital art about it, um, call people or text people, email people, or check different resources. So I was just going to add on about that to make sure people have the resources to do stuff other than donate, because I know donating and going to riots is very hard for a lot of students like us. So um, another thing that we are going to talk about is women. So Kaden, you're from Women for Biden. So how do you think Biden's been handling that so far? I think he's been doing good. Um, me and Lauren, who's the other co-chair, had a talk about that. And we both think that there's really nothing to argue with him about. It's really just set in stone. And he's not trying to make choices for women that should be made specifically by women, which is something that we both really respect him for. Yes, a by women for women. Yeah, I mean, it's also good because he said he's going to have a female VP. And, I mean, based on the candidates, a lot of people think an African-American female VP. So that's really important as well because just making sure that policies are inclusive and diverse. I, yeah, I, yes, he, he's he's been very good with that. Uh, I think a good sign of a true leader is when that leader doesn't rely on himself. It's not Joe Biden and Joe Biden alone like it is with Trump. Trump's mantra is Trump and Trump alone. And I think that's a very interesting contrast between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Uh, Trump is only America first. Only him and him alone can, quote, make America great again. And you see where that's gotten us. It's gotten us with over 100,000 dead. It's gotten us with riots and protests on every major, in every major city in the country. It's, it, he's, he's playing a divisive politics. 
he doesn't, I don't think he has, he doesn't understand how to outsource work. A good sign of a leader is when that leader goes to other people for help, especially with issues regarding women or regarding minorities. Uh, I think that's, that's, that's the true sign of a leader, which is something our president right now just simply doesn't possess. Yeah, I mean, Abraham Lincoln, probably his greatest strength was that he knew exactly who to choose for each of his cabinet roles. I mean, he was a great president and all, yet his cabinet, had he chosen basically any lesser people, world would be a very different place. But, yes, Joe Biden, the great thing is with him saying he's going to be choosing a woman for his vice president, given that he is a man in his late 70s, it is very highly possible this will be a one-term presidency. And I believe his vice president will wind up being the heir assumptive, per se, as I don't see many other contenders, of course, who may arise. That, so there's a good chance the Biden presidency is lining up our next female president, our first female president, next president yeah. being a female. And I think also... Uh, Joe Biden said this multiple times. His role, this election, is passing the torch to people, upcoming stars like uh, Stacey Abrams and Pete Buttigieg and Kamala Harris, the newer, younger, fresh faces in the Democratic Party that are going to be the future of our party. Like how he was a year when he got elected into. When he first got elected, when he was twenty nine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really overall. This. Sorry, you go. Yeah, well, this race has really been about what direction, and not exactly a specific leader, because you want a younger leader to carry the country forward, and yet. Of this election, of the major players, had Bill Clinton been able to run this year, he would be the youngest candidate in the race. <laughs> so it was always really a question of who is going to set up the next president, who is not going to be the next major figure. It will mostly be prep work for a future. Joe Biden will be laying the base from where we can build off of. Yeah, and I think it's, I think it's so important that he's really emphasized minorities in his campaign so far. So getting the endorsements of many different diverse groups of people, and then saying he's going to make sure his cabinet is very, very female, a large minority representative, and then his vice president being female as well. He said, uh, and you know, he's going to elect. He's going to. Uh, nominate the first black woman into the Supreme Court, which is a very big deal. Mm -hmm. And I think it, it, the one thing about Joe Biden is his cabinet, his administration, what he's building off of will reflect the demographics of America. Right now, when you look at Trump's cabinet, that's not even complete, let me add. It is nothing but mostly white males. In a Biden presidency, in a Biden administration, there'll be 
black women. There will be Latinx women. There will be Latinx men. There will be black men. There will be white women. It, it will be very reflective of how America looks today and the changing demographics of America in the future. Yeah, this is really his saying, well, diverse cabinet, which is great because really the most diverse cabinet in the United States history was Ulysses S. Grant during the Reconstruction. That was the most diverse cabinet in American history. So I think it might be, like, maybe, might be time that, I don't know, we start seeing a diverse cabinet. The last. That reflects the United States and that reflects the demographics and the changing demographics in the United States, which I think is most yes. And Joe Biden has a very uh, good plan for minorities and for women, and all of them are on uh, the web, Joe Biden's website. So if you have any more questions about it, please go to the website. Yeah, so we hope you guys enjoyed this one. And please check out any links, call, phone banks, sign petitions, anything you can do to help make sure that the people who have been attacking minorities in the police force get the justice that they deserve. And that is all. So thank you so much. And we hope to see you next week.